0: Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by our Basti Dubai. All right, Cheltenham went ahead Friday. It didn't go ahead Saturday. Should they have sacrificed uh, Friday for Saturday, David?
1: Under the current rules, they can, can they? If your track's fit to race, you've got to race on the day that you're, you're due to. And I spoke to Paddy, he didn't think they would have raced yesterday at Cheltenham had they not done anyway. But I certainly think there's an argument... That your feature day should be the first day of two in deep midwinter. The chances are that the frosts around at this time of year, you've raced on the Friday, you've owned up the ground, you're immediately going to make this Saturday more danger, in more danger to frost and to the elements. I can see that argument that you've you maybe switched Saturday, Sunday, make Saturday your, your big showcase day and the, the Friday action switch to the Sunday to try to preserve the track for that but I, I don't think it would have worked on this occasion
0: Peter Savile would love that Saturday was, Sunday <laughs> not Friday Saturday what do you think about that from an owner a family man punters' point of view would you prefer a Saturday Sunday set up in future rather than a Friday Saturday set up for some of these big festivals in the winter
2: I think it's easy for me to say maybe if I'm not 9 to 5 every day to say I prefer um, the Friday but mm. I think for general public I think for the general public it's better Saturday to Sunday because they're off work aren't they mm. but I don't really know about what the jockeys would think about that.
0: Would they? Would they have had it? You don't think they'd have had a shot of getting it on yesterday? No, anyway? I
3: really don't. They worked so hard at Cheltenham, all the staff. They're incredible to get it on Friday, and yeah, like you could you could feel how cold it had got riding later mm. in the day on Friday, and it would have taken. More than his sheets, I think, to get us racing on Saturday. And the point is,
0: I-, I was thinking ten years ago, maybe even five years ago, you'd have had absolutely zero chance of getting either of those days
3: on. Absolutely. It Wouldn't have been racing any day, so they've done remarkably well.
0: Nice feel about the place Friday. Still people turn out, even yeah. though it was pretty baltic. Yeah,
3: and it's a funny time of year for everyone, isn't it? Coming up to Christmas, you don't get the same crowd there, but, yeah, it was still lovely.
0: Because people are waiting, and then money. you hope the floodgates open.
3: It's, you know I mean? Everyone's saving a bit of money for Christmas, probably, and, yeah, they come... Um, New Year's Day is always a big day there.
0: Mm. It would get a big local crowd as well. That was Cheltenham Friday. Didn't take place on Saturday. Nor did Newcastle. Dave, or take place yesterday. Now this was a this was a strange one.
1: This was a strange one. Of all the things, you were there working away. We got Cheltenham off and Doncaster off. ITV switched to Newcastle. You've got that ready. Go for a cup of coffee at half past twelve to sit down for the afternoon. And there's suddenly pops up. There's an inspection. At Newcastle, there was no hint of danger at all throughout the, the morning to this meeting. There was, it was going to change to standard at tw- about 12 o'clock, no mention again of any inspection. And then it just seems that somebody's gone out onto the track, a trainer or a jockey at some stage said, Look, this isn't raceable. And all of a sudden, they've announced this inspection, that they'd agreed to move the racers back. 10 minutes for TV, the BHA had been involved. They clearly got no wind of this. And they've gone out and inspected. and they found that underneath the top level of the surface, once it had been ummed up, it was frozen. But what was interesting was the clerk of the course disagreed with that assessment. She thought it was raceable. And she was saying that, she, in their opinion, it was fit to race, but they don't want to race on it, which yeah. is fine. And it was just that John, John Berry tweeted, who walks an all-weather track before racing? He walks a turf track all the time. But on all weather services, they trust it's raceable. They wouldn't have thought of walking it in advance. So who was it who first realised that this was, this was in threat?
0: Well, now, of course, everybody will be walking in, <laughs> walking the all weather, walking the synthetic. That's a strange one. That is a very curious
1: yeah, it's, it's, state it, of events. It's, it's a very strange... The dominoes that lined up there, there wasn't a hint of it all morning that there was any threat whatsoever to Newcastle, and then within 10 minutes it had gone.
0: Of course, you get the the standard raft of social media commentary all weather yeah right whatever
1: <laughs> there 's nothing gets well the HWPA awards probably get them going more, but the all weather an all weather meeting being abandoned <laughs> it 's social media fodder isn 't it
0: uh, and paddy from 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 your point of view, you know during the course of the winter, we have seen you know, variable going reports or perceptions of ground
3: who 'd be a clerk of the course yeah, I know that 's such a hard job, always out there to be um shot at a little bit. It's very hard, but they work hard and, yeah, it's good for them at Newcastle because they've done everything and sometimes the weather just, it's never known out like it this winter. Okay,
0: let's um, let's transition to the case of, of Ronan McNally, who was one of a, a number of defendants, but very much the central defendant in a, a whole raft of cases brought against him by the Irish All-Stressing Regulatory Board this week. There were ten charges brought he was found guilty of of the majority and a, a whole range of interesting charges relating to the running and riding of horses in his yard, including the De real deal and the Jam Man, two very high-profile horses. Dave, he feels he's been victimised as the small man, and that horses are not run on their merits day in day out in Ireland as part of getting them handicapped, particularly in, in maiden hurdle races, and that he's been singled out.
1: How do you feel about that? I can see the point that horses are run to get handicapped regularly, blah blah but these are extreme cases, aren't they? These are grade one horses that got a handicap ratings so low originally. And I thought there was we've seen the working out the IHB committee. Uh, sorry, we've seen the conclusion. we haven't seen the working out. That's what we, we have need to not see. Seen the written reasons. We need to see the written reasons because there's some remarkable conclusions that your horses work school properly through the starting stalls at uh, how, how do you prove that? that the, and that I thought it was really interesting that they'd use experienced handicappers who said that they had never seen this level of improvement before. They brought in third parties, ex- seemingly external third parties, to rule on this.
0: Uh, there's been a subsequent statement from um, the IHRB as well, Darren, which is sort of almost saying that this is a bit of a shot across the bowels of everybody in racing as to how they, how they run their, their horses. Do you see this as a bit of a watershed case as someone who, as you said earlier in the programme, like to land a few touches with horses who you knew were worth a little bit more than the, the handicap marks they were running off.
2: This case seems as if there's a lot more to it than this, I think it's just not a particular running of these horses, Like there's, they've been watching this for a while, I don't know because I'm not you know I don't watch Irish racing all the time but I think like we spoke about before in novice hurdles, maiden hurdles, most of them in, in a novice hurdle probably only in a runner of 15, 15, 16 runners, probably only four of them are really can possibly win. Well, that's just, that's just the nature of young horses and, and them getting educated and coming to the course because you can't do everything with them at home. But it's a question of whether the whole culture, I suppose, paddy of the, of the
0: game is, is going to change, of whether people will be censured more for concealing horses' ability levels from the, from the handicapper.
3: Yeah, it's a tricky one. It really is. Um, like Darren said, in in, in, a, in Ireland, some, you look at a lot of the novice hurdles at William Gordon. Only three horses can win. And... Difficult is, one.
0: is it not the same here? If you have a 16-runner novice hurdle at Newbury, only Henderson's odds-on shot and Paul or Dan's second favourite realistically has any shot. Yeah,
3: and the sometimes. Others
0: are, the others are strung out, beating 40, 60, 80, 90 lengths. And yeah, there'll be horses winning handicaps in there somewhere down the line, but you're not going to want to finish too close on the one that... You know, he's only 120 horse.
3: Sometimes you have not a choice. That's just the way it is. But um, yeah. Okay. Something I don't get too involved in. Just do well, my best.
1: <laughs> I thought what was interesting—the inside information, which Ronan mm. denies—was for, uh, for people to back yes. the horses, not lay. And that's the first time I've seen that in a, a charge. It's usually information that that i right. laying on there. This was backing to win.
2: Well, that's don't get into that subject because I have a strong opinion on that. As soon sure. as you're well. As soon as they allowed you to back a horse to lose, that was where all the problems started. Should not, you should not be able to lay a horse. At all. Should not be allowed. Back him to win, not to lose. Let's just really simplify it. If you stop that, you can only back a horse to win. Think of all the problems that would stop. But what about every bookmaker? What do you mean? Who are laying every horse to lose all the time. I didn't, yeah, I mean, as an owner and a punter, if you can go in... It'd be very easy, wouldn't it, as an owner? I've never laid a horse in my life. But you're not, not allowed ent- to
0: lay your horse to live. Correct. This but yeah.
2: I never would. I just don't. I just think it's wrong. Just think it's wrong.
0: So you think that the culturally to allow everybody to to lay horses has has, has changed the game. for Absolutely, the
2: I do. Absolutely.
0: And the, the flip side of that argument would be that there's a, you know, there's an audit trail for ne'er do wells, and and actually there's less skullduggery in the sport than there was pre the exchanges.
2: Well, what do you think? Simpler for somebody to know their horse is going to win a race or know it's going to finish out the first three.
0: Well, I, I would accept that argument. The interesting thing here, as Dave was saying, is that the, the charge is passing information to, to back a horse to win. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, again, opens up a, a really interesting grey area as to you've got a horse that you really fancy on a given day. Yeah. I ring you up and say, do you fancy this new year? should run well. I back the horse, you've passed me inside information. Now, most people within the confines of horse racing would think, fine, wouldn't they? But, of course, people outside looking in think, oh, no, that's inside trading. Now, does the whole culture of the sport now
2: shift to the letter of the law? Uh, it's really difficult, like you just said. You could be talking in a pub to somebody, how do you think your horse will run tomorrow? I could say, oh, I think he'll need the run. And then somebody goes off and lays your horse. It's just impossible. What what can you do? do you have to just say nothing. You're not allowed to be honest about how you think your horse will run. You see how that's really difficult. I, I think is, there's a difference, isn't there, Dave,
0: between passing inside information and passing inside information for reward.
1: Yes, definitely. I, and I think most trainers, most will have people come up to them at the table in a pub. I was just often going, to, and most will come up with it. You know, hopefully, well, hopefully, be the first six. They come up with a a bland lie, but there is some people who, look, if I give you a few quid here, let me let me know when this one's going to win. And I think that's the element that that we're getting. I mean, if it's a punishment to tell somebody to back your horse, this is why I want to see the written reasons are going to be fascinating, aren't they? When they come out, that's a game changer. If that is the actual charge that they've made and they've made it stick, it'd be the written reasons. We know
0: so little about the specifics of this case for those reasons that it is very, very hard to understand whether Ronan Minnelli's case that he's been victimised is... Has ed- holds any water or whether the IHRB have done an extremely good and thorough regulatory job here, it, it remains to be seen but however this pans out it is going to be a, a watershed case, because gaming the system in this sport is perhaps something that is more part and parcel of the way the handicapping system works in the UK and Ireland than it is in France, where you've had a lot of horses run, Darren, but this is something that, that you've turned your back on.
2: Yeah, I think when I was asked a question at the time, I had horses running in France, and the prize money was better. Um, and it is better. And I said, maybe made the comment, I'm going to run more in France. But the simple fact is, the pure enjoyment, the, and I don't want to offend anybody in France, but the, the atmosphere is just nothing like it. It's just not the same. I'll have a runner there, or I did have a runner there, maybe finish second or third. I'll be the only person in the stands shouting for me. horse. There's just no... It's nothing like it is in there. I don't know if you agree, Paddy. It is different when I... R- well, I've, yeah. r- I've ridden in France, and yeah. I remember I used to ride a lot for um, Tom
3: George in France and in, a, in, a, in, a, in a tie and I could literally jump the last and see him in the stand because he was the only one there. So
2: yeah. that, <laughs> and, and it is totally different. Yeah, you, the yeah. racing in this country... Could you hear him shouting? <laughs> I could see him, anyway. The atmosphere <laughs> in the racing in this country is just fo- so much better. It's a great day out. People love the racing. It just doesn't seem... There's just not the same atmosphere there. It's as simple as that. There isn't. GBR should hire you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on, a,
0: on a hefty retainer.
2: Well, it's, it's just the truth, you know. It's, it is the truth. I've experienced it, seen it, owned horses there, I own horses here. I wouldn't have any more horses in France, even though the must money may be slightly better. I can go to Catrick on a Wednesday and the atmosphere's fantastic, just using that as an example.
0: Where's, where's the tipping point for you prize money-wise? I mean, how little would you, would you accept? And Would you race for no prize money?
2: Would I race for no prize money? It's a good question. I mean, obviously... So you're saying if I had an horse entered in the Grand National and there was no prize money? Yeah, of course, I'd still like to win it.
0: But what I'm saying is... <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked the question. <laughs> yeah, in the, in, the, in the context of the ongoing debate about prize money and how important and how integral it is to the health of the sport and to people's investment... Does prize money make any difference to how much money you spend on racehorses?
2: I think it does. Yeah, I think, like I said before, it's. I always look at my horses and how they're doing. So Ashton Ashdown Lad has won the Beecher, mm-hmm. round about sixty grand to the owner. I sort of think, like I think a lot of owners do. Well, that's round about three years' training fees, which obviously helps. You have to be. You don't generally get into racing as an owner to make money. You, it has to, You have to, unless you're in a syndicate, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but there has to be some sort of tipping point where you get yeah. reason. You know, you can try and cover your training fees at least, surely. So that's the that's kind of where it is. Do you think that's where most people sit? It is eh? definitely
1: where most people sit. And I think whatever grade race they're looking to cover, a chunk of the training fees, be a month's training fees or wherever it is, that's what they're looking at when they win a race. If you're receiving as a first prize less than a month's training fees, I think sometimes you must walk away thinking, oh, well. I need to and win two of them this month to to break even. There's not many horses win two in a month at any level.
2: And there comes the reason why, let's say, people with lower grade horses need to have a gamble. Because if you're running around Wolverhampton for 1,900 quid, well, well you, what, you, you know, you do need to have a few quid on your horse, maybe, to try and cover your training fees. Mm. Okay,
0: let's um, let's talk about Chibley Park and their jumps interest rather than their flat business and a a number of interesting revelations from richard thompson from chiefly park this week dave um so not just about atlou but Alaho and fernie hollow and all sorts of other interesting horses
1: yeah kept kept us busy um the interview with yourself there's so many new strands i mean fernie hollow clearly sad news and willie mullins said it's a completely fresh injury it's a new injury it's not a recurrence of an old one so he's on the sidelines again and you you do wonder if they'll get back, but what I thought was the most significant news almost was the absolute hard news, that we've been waiting to see what would come to light post Haydock and Henry's been sort of saying they're hoping they'd find one or two things, there was nothing obvious, and they've now found he was poorly, he was ill when he came back, his blood was clean when he travelled over, he came back with an infection, they've found a reason, and for me that was so reassuring, because you hate to see a ho- he'd never run like that before, and you hate to see a superstar be so laboured and tired and such an uncharacteristic run, for nothing to come to light, there's alarm bells ringing, or was. Had he had too much? If the hard race somewhere left a mark, whatever they've now found a reason. Right, this is what it was. We can get this right. Rebuild. They're talking even having him back over Christmas, aren't they? And potentially running at Christmas, which would be having seen him at Haydock. The prospect of seeing him at Christmas, I thought, was a long shot.
0: Um, It also struck me that you know, aren't we grateful to some of the owners? I mean, trainers have an awful lot on their plate for you know communicating all the information we we needed to know. There, you know, Fernie Hollow out for the year. Alaho might have a up- run before Cheltenham, absolutely are sick rather than lame. You know, For for punters, Darren, it, it's it's a, important to have this level of communication.
2: I think it is, obviously, for, for the anti-post market, absolutely. Mm. I think a lot of people would like to know, but I'm not sure how often that's in the public domain, how the horses are going at home, what the targets are, whether they're actually going to run in a specific race that the bookies are... Pro- I mean, a lot of time I look at the anti-post markets and I think... It's clear twenty of them horses are never gonna run in that race, but yet they're still in the anti post market. Mm. Again, is that is that right? No. Well that's it's what clearly, happens, I'm it's afraid. Cle-
0: no, it's clearly not. Yeah. And it's not difficult to go through and work out which ones aren't. <laughs> exactly. There. Um, do you think there's something that do you think that is deliberate or do you think that's just carelessness?
2: <laughs> you try to get me shot on this show, I think. Um, I would say Deliberate. Okay.
0: Let's move on and talk about Shishkin, um, who Nicky Henderson, who we're going to talk to in a few moments' time, is now quite keen to step up in, in distance. So, Paddy, Shishkin for you. If he moves up in distance, is he is he going to show us what he, what he showed us
3: last year and the year before? Uh, I'm not so sure. Um, that race at Ascot was... You know he was he got the knockout blow, but I'm not sure if it's left a mark on him. You know in the championships yes, I know there was an issue with um, it was grown stuff and they found a little problem, but you never felt comfortable watching him in the Tingle Creek and yes you can step him up and trip, but Nicky Henderson's a master trainer and I'm sure he'll do everything possible. But for me it'd be a slight worry.
2: What did you think, Darren? I think Sandown's a funny course with those three fences mm. close together and. I think if you get one wrong, you tend to get them all wrong. So, and Cheltenham's a, dif- a different ball game. So, I wouldn't be making a decision on that just yet, personally.
0: And if he wants to go up in in distance, do you go all the way up to three, Dave? Do you think that's the?
1: That's what his comment was, wasn't it? In the immediate after I mean, at Sandown, he wasn't happy after Offense, Was he, Nico de Bonneville? He, he never felt he was in a rhythm or going where he wanted him to go. But Nicky's comment was: Denman Chase was floated at Newbury, being has been a potential. Gold Cup, and I was trying to think of horses who could have been, I mean, Cartel Star, when mm. he was winning Gold mm-hmm. Cups, would have won Champion Chasers the same year, wouldn't he? He had, that, he had that brilliance. And if Shishkin is a three-miler, who's been dressed up as a two-miler, but a peak Shishkin going over a trip, not the Shishkin we've seen, Cheltenham they found a reason for, Sandown was laboured. Y- you need to see something more next time to suggest it was even the trip.
0: Uh, don't you think, though, Paddy, that we obsess about distances with jumps horses quite a lot? That they are actually a lot more versatile than, than we think. You could run him over two, two and a half, three, three and a quarter. You could mix and match it a lot more than perhaps we've conditioned ourselves to do.
3: Yeah, absolutely. and that's if you wanted to. Because there's so much racing. Whereas years ago, maybe they had to run over three miles. And We think we're experts, honestly, all the time. Every, a lot of us in racing, we're not. We, you think a horse a two-miler, he, he might in fact get three miles. It is. It's opinions, but it's nothing to say he won't stay at three miles.